0: Clint, thanks for uh, thanks for sitting down and uh talking to me, man. It's good to have you here.
1: Absolutely. Uh I'd like to help out any of the podcasters I can. So, well, uh, yeah. What's going on? What's the latest? Do you know, World War 3? We ready to rock or what? World War 3, <laughs> baby. Let's
0: go. They're pushing for it. <laughs> yeah, I'm scared if of that, to be honest, but Yeah. No, it's no joke for sure. Uh, I actually was just watching a video from John Huntsman Jr. He used to be the governor of Utah, and he was also the ambassador to the People's Republic of China and also to Russia. Um, He was given a pretty good layout about what was going on and was talking about how we need to go back to diplomacy instead of taking military action. And as my personal background in the military, I can tell you that the weapons of war that we have today are so far beyond anything that people can wrap their heads around, like chem, bio, nuclear. It is insane. Uh, And if we're still using conventional weapons, guns, tanks, missiles, that's a good thing because the second they start getting into the areas of bio and chem where they're taking out entire cities by poisoning the water, for instance, that takes two people, three people to infiltrate a city, drop a bio weapon into something. And that's massive, massive death. Um, And yeah, I agree with you. That's utterly terrifying. And that's if we don't go to the nuclear option.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And obviously, if you go hot, if you even are using tanks and guns in the normal artillery of the 20th century, um, you're still you're still risking at at some point. Say you're actually winning the war against Russia in a a hot ground war. Well, then what? I mean, if you have if you corner a guy that has nuclear weapons, what do you expect him to do? You know, And, and I just don't understand for the life of me why we would jeopardize all of human existence for one small corrupt government, not the people of Ukraine, but rather the government of Ukraine, which is clearly corrupt and clearly a puppet of the West. And I mean, I understand why the politicians would want it. I don't understand at all how the American people are being sold on this lie. Uh, it's, It's mystifying. I mean, especially after the past two years of being lied to constantly, and having their lives ruined, and their kids' mental health broken down, and their own mental health broken down, and their jobs jeopardized, and their bodily autonomy infringed upon egregiously. And yet, still, they will buy the latest lie, and they will ignore all of the lies that they now have discovered. It's amazing.
0: It's psychological warfare. If you go back to the 50s and 60s with MKUltra, uh, Operation Midnight Climax, and then Operation Mockingbird, the CIA and the deep state has infiltrated every asset of the media. And that's just the aspects of what we know about. They've been conducting psychological warfare on the American people in the West at large for 50, 60 years. And Mm. people are just propagandized into it. I mean, they're so good at it now that even if you awaken someone up to one aspect of it, they're so entrenched in an ideological way of thinking that they can't even apply that same process to, say, the Ukraine The people who spoke out against COVID, like, oh, the COVID regime, this is insane. Our government is corrupt. But then the second Ukraine popped off, social media got flooded with propaganda and everyone's wartime spirit started pumping up. And they're like, let's go. Let's get after it. You know, and we've been bred into that, especially throughout the last, you know, 20 or so years of the war in the Middle East, it's just become normalized. And the propaganda is so good. They're so good at playing on your emotions that if you say that you don't support it, You know, you're a fascist or a Nazi, you have no empathy for anyone else. And it's like, look, I respect what's going on. And I respect these people's willingness to fight back against Russia. But it's just not our fight. You know, the same thing happens in Africa every day or on our border in Mexico, where the cartel is literally slaughtering thousands of people, you know, hanging politicians up under bridges, decapitating people. No one gives a fuck about that. So it's like, I get your emotional appeal, but you can take your empathy elsewhere if you're applying it to specific <laughs> situations that the state wants you to apply it to.
1: No, I, I agree, man. Uh, sorry, the connection broke up for a split second. Not no, no worries. Um, yeah, yeah, I I, I agree with everything you just said. I mean, I, I think that, that what's so jarring to me is that I had the sensation that the, the majority of the American people had become war-weary. You know, the fact that there was kind of a tepid and somewhat disastrous uh, exit from Afghanistan and that the people in America weren't, they were like, okay, yeah, like it's, it's been 20 years. It's time. Like, let's get out of there. Uh, The fact that they went through what I think was a PSYOP for the past two years with lockdowns and, and they were so pissed at everybody that had done it to them. I just, I just didn't think that they could so successfully direct people's rage externally like i thought i thought that there would actually be a moment where the american people came together and they said the people that ruined our lives for the past two years over a bunch of bullshit which we now know were actual lies well we're gonna make sure these people are held to account nope i was wrong i was wrong that that that's happening and it's just it's amazing how easily distracted people are and easily propagandized people are even when they realize that they've been propagandized. It's like, yeah, they, you're right. They can't extrapolate it. They can't extend it to the next news story. And I don't know, I don't know how we can get through to them. I mean, if you, if you were old enough to have lived through 9-11 and, and the war on terror and all of the deception and lies that went along with that, TSA, NSA, Patriot Act, all of the you know, just evisceration of our rights – and then you go through lockdowns and COVID and all the bullshit there and you discover all that was also based on lies. And now you're on to the next thing and you're like, they're telling the truth this time. It's like, oh, what?
0: Yep. <laughs> like, that's, that's just amazing. It's crazy. I attribute it to people's willingness to be comfortably numb. So yeah. I kind of look at it as the big three things that people look for is food and water, amenities, and security. And if you have the majority of those three things, then people are gonna be willing to step in line. So the second that our economy starts really feeling the effects of the massive amount of inflation we're seeing, the supply chains are breaking down and stuff, when people stop having food and water on the shelf and then their favorite TV shows stop being produced and those amenities go away as well, People will actually start waking up and going, oh, what's wrong? What's happening right now? You know, but the majority of the people, as long as they have those things, they're going to be fine. If Netflix keeps pumping out movies and they're still ho-hos on the shelf at the store, they're cool. They're fine with it. And I mean, the sense of security, I mean, that's a facade. That's a societal contract, you know, but to think that the police are actually really going to save you in a time of crisis, you would have to be lucky at best. You know, if someone actually breaks into your house or something like that, you need to be armed and ready. To defend yourself and your family and your home, because if, if, you know if they're, they're not sitting around a corner.
1: Yeah, if we have food shortages, uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see the police turn into marauding hordes themselves, where they're they're going, you know, basically taking over and making sure that their families stay fed. Uh, this okay. is what's what's weird though is that we are having some level of food sh- shortages. You know, you have you go to the store, you can see. Many many items are are gone, and mm-hmm. and yet people still you know even it's just like until they're actually missing meals, like they're just not gonna wake up to the threat that they're under and the danger that they're in. And I I don't know. I mean, I guess in one way it's a competitive advantage. Like at least we see it, at least we know it, so we can prepare before the 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 masses do. But um, you know, for, from my vantage point, I, I'm more interested in avoiding this. I don't want to live in that future, even if I have prepared myself better than everybody else and I can probably survive it. Like, I don't want to go there. I want to go back to, you know, the 90s or whatever, like where it was relatively peaceful and prosperous. And, um, I mean, obviously, I'd like to go back further than that, but it, that would be a fair compromise, a fair starting place where the national debt isn't so outrageous and the dollar still has a decent amount of purchasing power. And, all these other things, Uh, you know, race relations seem to be a little bit better than they are today, at least in terms of perception. Um, So yeah, it's, it's just, I'm trying to sound the alarm because I don't want to see what's coming. I know what's coming and I just want people to be aware so that they can stop it from happening. And it doesn't seem that that's working. It seems as if people are like, I'm going to learn the hard way, Clint. It doesn't matter what you have to say. And that sucks because I'm, I'm a victim of your own ignorance and lack of willingness to understand the threat that we're in. So it's, it's brutal.
0: Same. Yeah, I think a key right now is going to be setting up parallel societies, um, going the more agorist route and stuff like that, trying to create our own institutions, our own ways of uh, conducting commerce with each other. Public schooling yep. is you know, propaganda at this point. So taking your children's ed- education in your own hands, um, that's going to oh, yeah. be the key right now. And those, I don't really are, care for venture all- Europe.
1: Those are all great sure. long-term plans and, and even intermediate plans, but I'm talking short-term and like, yeah. you're not going to be able to create institutions before the economy collapses. Like that's my, my perception of it. So, um, you know, at this point, I think the only thing you can really do is focus on waking people up now and and defending you and your loved ones. Now, like those, those are the two things that I'm really focused on. And obviously if you're the tech type and you're able to create the agorist outlets that can help us, weather this even better, Godspeed and god bless and I, I really appreciate your efforts there too um but it's like and I love I love the Agri's mentality it's just when people talk about it I'm like that would have been a great idea you know before 08 you know we should have we should have been headed that direction then I feel like we're too late in in one regard in that it's we're we're all in this country and we're all gonna suffer the death of the dollar like that's that's my perception of it and I I'm pretty sure that I'm right um, and I didn't really think so, you know, 10 years ago or, or at least 15 years ago, I certainly didn't think so. I didn't think that the U S dollar would lose its reserve currency status. And I didn't think, I mean, I knew it would eventually, but I didn't think it would when I was still a young man, like this is, this is incredible, but they are just, they're pulling out all the stops. They're printing so aggressively, they're borrowing aggressively. Um, they're cracking down on political dissidents in, in ways that I never thought possible in this country, at least not until the f- total complete end of the empire, And now we're here like the end of the empire is here and we're all living through it and it's just exhausting
0: (laughs) yeah it's really easy to become nihilistic i find myself slipping into nihilism constantly when i think about this um yeah and i think that that's a great point uh as far as like short-term goals i think that we're very far past that point i think that we've been being engaged in warfare that we were unaware of for a long, long time now, and the people in charge are so far past the point of worrying about our retaliation that they openly admit everything that they do now. You look at the World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab, all those fucking people like that. I mean, just absolutely open to where it's not even a conspiracy where, you know, 20 years ago, people would have been like, you're out of your mind. There's no cabal Trying to overtake all of the financial systems in the world—that's insane. The Illuminati's not real, and then you can literally just look up videos of the Great Reset in the Davos forum, and they're openly admitting to you what they want: ESG scores, all that stuff. I mean, it's yep. it's apparent, and it's in front of people's faces. All literally, all they have to do is open up the internet and go search for that information. Just not on Google or even DuckDuckGo because they sold out as well now. But yeah, that was we're there. I mean, we're we're past the point of of initial engagement in this we've actively been engaged in conflict and we just had no idea that it was even going on yeah
1: well well, one minor correction it's still a conspiracy it's just not a conspiracy (laughs) theory you know yeah like they are conspiring against us but they're just doing it in the open um and and i don't i don't know i don't know what it what it will require for i mean basically they can tell you exactly what they're doing and how they're going to do it and then i can point it out and then they can be told don't listen to this guy and people will go, OK, you know, like, like that's all it takes. They just say, well, this is misinformation. This guy's a, you know, a toady for Putin. He's pro-Russia or whatever. He's, pro- he's a fascist, even though he's against the government, which makes no fucking sense. Like fascists absolutely want a strong government. So um, whatever we're saying and doing, as long as they control the narrative, there's really nothing that we can do to wake up the masses. We can wake up the fringe. We can wake up the people that are interested in the truth we can wake up the people that are realizing the lies some of them um but i think by and large like we're just we're just toying with the edges like we need like we need to obviously get to a breaking point where you have the majority of people aware to what's happening and because they control all of our institutions our education system all of the narrative uh mechanisms be it the media hollywood everything else uh and the politicians too, on both sides, it's a totally bipartisan issue, and and there's just, I don't think until those things collapse, you're going to be able to do that. And it's weird because I thought with the advent of the internet and the capacity to reach, you know, billions of people, that if people wanted the truth, it was now there, and and it's still there. You know, it's still I'm, I'm on YouTube somehow, so like it still exists. Uh, uh, but the vast majority of people like to feel as if they are still part of the accepted narrative of the day. And I've, I've noticed this with libertarians too. And it's driving me fucking nuts, man. Like the, there are so many libertarians that are advocating for sanctions. They are advocating for arming the Ukrainians with, you know, really high tech, very expensive stuff with our stolen tax money, like which, which we all agree on is stolen tax money from the American people in a conflict that we shouldn't be involved in that a conflict that probably wouldn't exist if not for our, engagement in 2014 with victoria newland and and saying fuck the eu and basically putting in their their preferred uh, presidential candidate it's like this is all it's, it's all part of the government's creation and yet we are enabling the government even libertarians are enabling the government to intervene in a conflict that is very messy on both sides and i just don't i just don't know how how it's possible man i don't like i can understand your your average conservative getting duped into this cuz they've they've accepted corporate narratives and if fox news tells them to they're probably going to go with it but i do not for the life of me understand how libertarians themselves are saying oh we have to intervene on behalf of the ukrainians it's like man e- even if you think that like you're you're supporting the potential for world war 3 like do you know how much bigger that is than the ukrainian people and, and it's no disrespect or, or downplaying of the, the suffering of the Ukrainian people at all. This is about the elimination of human existence. <laughs> like why, why do I have to make this argument? It's so obvious that this is a, uh, there's a much bigger potential risk, even if you're just giving them arms. Like imagine if, if we were in, when we were in Iraq or Afghanistan, if the Chinese had come in and armed ISIS or come in and armed the Taliban, And said, well, good luck, America. Hey, our hands are clean. We're not in this war. The American government would have said, fuck you, you're not in this war. You are arming and funding our enemy. We are absolutely at war with you now. And and we're doing the same thing. And everyone's just like, well, that's not an act of war. I mean, even the libertarians are like, okay, if we institute a no-fly zone, that's an act of war. I'm like, we have already declared war. We are sending them billions of dollars of arms. This is a proxy war. We are we are the f- financial backers. This is basically the French during the American Revolution where the French are are arming the uh, the revolutionaries in America and it's like, well, okay. I, I mean, if you want to support this stuff and we end up waking up to a, a 10,000 sons all setting on <laughs> on the United States ground like it's on you man like i all i can say is i tried
0: yep yeah it's a real existential crisis like a legitimate existential crisis and everyone is Well, just, actually
1: i want to hear from you on that tell you tell me am i overstating the risk i mean if if we corner russia is that is that not a distinct possibility
0: no it absolutely is because vladimir putin is in an empirical mindset Like he still has the Soviet empire and the Russian empire strongly in mind. And he's been playing war games for, you know, the last 20, 30 years, filling people out. So he invaded Crimea, you know, or went over there, nothing happened. Same in Georgia, nothing happened. And then he waited for a beautiful, beautiful moment when our country in the West was at its weakest. It has been since he took over the Russian regime. And especially now with Biden being in office as an individual, Biden is just weak. He's in cognitive decline. He's not a strong leader. That's just a subjective fact. Whatever you want to say about the rest of the party is what it is. But him as an individual is a very weak leader. And Vladimir Putin sat there and said, What's going to happen here? Are they really going to go to war with me? Do they have the money and the funds and the backing to do this? I don't really think so. I've taken all this other land over the past however many years. Nothing came of it. I think that we'll be okay. And then he invaded. And that's he an wants to take pers- the Ukraine back. That, see, that's
1: an interesting perspective because I'm not even sure that he wants to take Ukraine back. Like the, the way he's talked about it, I mean, granted, I'm taking him at his word, so that's, that could obviously be bullshit, but he has talked about Basically, just wanting a buffer zone between himself and NATO allies, you know, and I think that that's a pretty reasonable stance given how antagonistic we've been with Russia ever since the fall of the USSR. It's like, yeah, I wouldn't want NATO on my border either. Like, that's that's a pretty scary thing, especially when it's a combination of 15 or whatever countries it is with a bunch of them having nukes. It's like, yeah, this is scary as fuck. Like, I- if I was the Russian people, I wouldn't be exactly interested in that happening. So um, I don't know. I, I don't know if if his intent is to actually conquer and put together, put back together the, the gang, you know, put the band back together with the entire USSR. Um, but you know, honestly, even if it is, I feel like that's up to the people there to defend themselves. Like, and if if the EU and Europe wants to get involved, that's on them. If they're so concerned about uh, Putin having a a true like Hitlerian conquest in mind where he's just going to run r- roughshod across the entire continent. Uh, that's up to them to defend. I don't buy it. I don't think that he has the financial capacity to do that. I, I don't think that he has even the warfare capacity to take over all of Europe. I think it's nonsense. So um, yeah. Can he take over Ukraine? Probably. Can he take over the the other four or five countries to, to get into Europe and, and really start to, uh, infringe or, or threaten Germany and all these other countries, I find that extraordinarily hard to believe. Um, and I think that NATO will stand strong on if he goes for any of the uh, bordering countries with Ukraine and he starts to get, get a little bit too froggy with them, I think that they will go to war. Um, but I, I honestly, I don't think that's Putin's intention. I, I could be wrong, though.
0: Yeah, no, I definitely, when I say empirical, um, he wants to restore the quarry of the Soviet empire in my mind, but I don't think that he has any interest in expanding past that into the EU. I think he understands that he has no real military might to actually accomplish that as far as financial. I mean, what's the GDP of Russia? 1.5 trillion. You know, that's about that's what Texas is. You know, he doesn't have the money to actually support that war. Um, no. But I definitely think that he wants to see a reunification of the Soviet Union or uh, like Soviet era um, Russia. I think that also I think that he that's has legitimate grievance. He has the le- legitimate grievances as well. I absolutely agree. I wouldn't want NATO on my border, especially after the way that the West has conducted itself since NATO was formed. I mean, this goes back into what we were talking about earlier when you had mentioned uh, people just falling in line with this. I mean, the censorship is absolutely insane right now. Oh. And I mean, they're actively, actively censoring any sort of political dissidence that's not part of the narrative so people are falling in line and it's funny to see russian state media that basically parrots what america was doing when we invaded iraq i find that very funny to watch and even when he initially invaded when he was calling it special military operations and stuff like that i got a little chuckle out of that because i remember seeing fox cnn all Pair at the exact same points. Um, so, how you were saying, I take him at his word. Uh, I apply the same skepticism that I would give to our government to him. I think that he has sure. legitimate grievances, but I also think that you know he's a powerful man, and power begets power, and he wants more of it. So,
1: yeah. no, I think but, I think that's fair too. I mean, I'm not saying it's it's purely defensive. I think that there's probably. Yeah financial gain and, and all sorts of other things that go into it. I just think that when the narrative is, if we don't stop him here, he's going to take over X, Y, Z and Europe's in in jeopardy and all this other bullshit. I'm like, yo, no, <laughs> like, yeah. it's just, yeah. it's just so it's just not feasible. Like he cannot do that. So, so that's why I, I, I push back on that, that line of thinking just simply because it's not, it's not based in reality and it's clearly fear mongering and it's clearly set to try and make people go, oh, well, we have to stop him now because he's on a Hitlerian role and he's going to just take over the entire uh, EU. And it's like, well, that's not, that's not true at all. But what, what concerns me more than that is the fact that we have now very successfully pushed Russia into the arms of China and, and we are undermining the US dollar's reserve currency status. And while I am ultimately in favor of the US dollar and all fiat currencies dying, I am not interested in expediting that process because I know it's going to be extremely financially painful for the country I live in. You know, it's going to be terrible. And and that's what we're doing. You know, make no mistake. People are not talking about this, but a huge part of the inflation we're seeing is not just the printing that we've done, but rather the fact that many of these countries are divesting themselves of the U.S. dollar. They are beginning to trade in things other than the U.S. dollar. When that happens in mass, which it's going to because of the way we're treating Russia, we are signaling to any country that we have labeled as an, you know, an enemy of ours that if you are trading in the US dollar, we have immense capacity to punish you financially. And if you do not divest of it prior to any sort of skirmish between us and you, uh, you're fucked. So what does that tell them? Well, they have to do it now. So what are they doing? They're doing it now. And that's a huge mistake. I mean, we we had all of this leverage because of the U.S. dollars reserve currency status. And and that was great. And that benefited the American people, whether they knew it or not. It benefited us tremendously because we were allowed to deficit spend and borrow like crazy and, and live above our means for decade after decade. That shit ends eventually. And it is ending because of our own insanity. And that is heartbreaking to me. I mean, it's kind of natural and it's how all empires end, but it's still disappointing that the people that got themselves in this position of power don't recognize the risk that they are putting their entire game in. You know, like they are, they are absolutely ending the monopoly that we had and well, we're going to pay the price.
0: Yeah. I thought it was really interesting when uh, Switzerland decided to take sides in this and cut Russia out of the swift banking system that was a major, major move on the geopolitical board game. Um, and you have a background in financial and economics. I'm a fucking dumbass, you know, so <laughs> whatever I say, you know, it's, it's stuff that I've read about and try to make my own decisions on, but definitely it's an uneducated opinion for anyone out there listening. Um, what do you think the world is going to look like if Russia starts adopting the Chinese payment system? And what that could lead us to.
1: Well, that's what they're doing. I mean, they're, they're yeah. using UnionPay, which is the Chinese uh, replacement for Visa, MasterCard, all the other credit cards out there. Um, they're also using their own kind of rudimentary version of SWIFT. Uh, so, yeah, they're doing it. They are divesting themselves of the uh, financial mechanisms for control that the U.S. government had over them. And the U.S. industry, you know, the oligarchs, the businesses had over them, too. So we're going to find out, you know, what, what I think it means is exactly how I described that any other country that is in a similar position where they're not an ally, nor are they an overt at war enemy with America are going to say to themselves, well, we need to divest now of the U.S. dollar in terms of how we trade and how we purchase goods, because if they decide that they want regime change, all they have to do is. Concoct some bullshit and put sanctions on us and bankrupt us and have the people revolt, which is what they're trying to uh, make happen in Russia. So it's expediting the exit from the US dollar. And that is literally the only reason that we are still doing as well economically as we are, is because the US dollar's reserve currency status. Like, that's my belief. Like, that's the reason. So we're going to find out exactly what it means. But I think that it means that the, the end game for the dollar and its reserve currency status is here. It has begun in earnest. Like it is, like That's why we're experiencing so much inflation. It's not just the fact that we locked down the economy and we broke supply chains and all that. It's that too. And it's not just the fact that we borrowed and printed so much that too, but it's not just that. It is also the fact that the US dollar's reserve currency status is shaking. So that's, that's my, my whole take on it. Do
0: you see that resulting
1: in hyperinflation? I, I do when it happens, yeah. I think that when when it actually happens, which I think it it may be beginning now. I don't know for sure. I don't think so, but it could be. Um, yeah, I see hyperinflation. I see the U.S. dollar dying them replacing it with a central bank digital currency or a U.S. dollar coin or whatever they're going to call it, and and trying to via you know their monopoly on violence uh, and the IRS converting all paper currency, all U.S. dollars into Electronic digital dollars and and starting the game anew. I think that is actually what the great reset is is that the global fiat system itself is breaking down and the great reset is a way for the people that are in power for the past hundred years to try and hold on to their power without having revolutions all across the world. So whether they can do it without there being revolutions across the world. I don't think so. Um, but i've been disappointed in the past <laughs> so we'll see
0: <laughs> yeah yeah that's truly terrifying if they start controlling our money through digital currencies that's where going back to the esg scores which for people out there oh, who yeah. don't know that's environmental social and corporate governance um these massive corporations like blackrock and such that basically use this as a form of uh, social credit uh that you can compare it to chinese social credit score yep. uh the second that they start controlling what you can buy and sell based on how affluent you are as a member of society um, and how in line with the narrative you are, it completely negates being a human being. At that point, you know, you're literally just a cog in the machine. And if you step out of line, guess what? You can't buy food for your family or you can't purchase power. You can't purchase clean water um, or you hit your maximum amount for that month, you know, like that's. Absolutely terrifying. And that's being controlled by the same people who, at this point, have zero regard for human life. I mean, that's how I see it with them playing with Russia the way that they are and playing with an existential conflict. It's like these people don't give a fuck about you. They have so much money and wealth and power that you're literally a pawn on a chessboard to them. You're an ant. They don't care. They don't care if gas is $7 a gallon and you can't afford to get to work to feed your family. You know, it's like, Who's the uh late night talk show host? Man, I can't remember who Colbert. said it. Colbert, yeah, I don't care if gas is fifteen dollars a gallon, I drive a Tesla. Like, fuck yeah. you, dude. <laughs> like, if that doesn't show you the elitist mentality, then oh, man, what are we doing? Like, I know man, it's so it really disgusting.
1: Is, it, it really is a, a let them eat cake, uh, Marie Antoinette type moment. It's let them let them drive Teslas. It's it's astonishing. I mean, and it's so brazen and it's so offensive. And I'm not even like Financially destitute I'm in a decent position financially but it still boils my blood because I care about the American people I care about the poor in this country and you are making them poorer because of your own fucking insanity I mean that's all I can describe it as it's not it's not like an accident like it's just insane like, uh, and I yes. think that it's intentional to a large extent for the people that are at the highest echelons of power. And I think that it's unintentional for the politicians who largely don't have a fucking clue what game they're playing. Um, but it doesn't matter to me. Like anybody that's involved in this, in in bankrupting the poorest amongst us, you are evil and you deserve comeuppance for it. Like you do. Um, so. This is why I I speak out so passionately. Is because I I understand what's what's at stake here. Like I understand where this goes, and I understand who it's going to hurt the most, and and I care. You know, I really do care. And and it's just it's just horrifying, man. It's horrifying that it's so obvious. If you understand economics, it's so. I mean, even if you don't understand economics, if you just have a rudimentary understanding of like, okay, you can't do that. Like this is too far. you know that there's going to be a price to be paid, and it's coming soon. Like the bill will be paid, and I'm very, I'm very grateful that there's alternative technologies like, like cryptocurrencies out there, um, decentralized cryptocurrencies that can help us weather this. But it's probably not going to save very many people. Like the vast majority of people are going to be bankrupted by this, and if, if they are successful with the CBDC, forget it. Like all bets are off. Like you, you, you exist in the digital gulag. You can't do anything that is against the narrative like imagine if we had central bank digital currency already and we were on the cusp of this war well i you none of us would be able to speak out like we would be censored the big tech platforms even if they believed in free speech via esg they could be coerced into deplatforming every single one not not coming up with some you know fringe letter of the law and in, in, infringement that you did against their terms of service no 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 they can just put it in their terms of service and say hey anything that that uh threatens our esg score we get to ban you and then boom they they overnight they just wipe out anybody who's saying anything that even comes close to sounding uh anti interventionist or pro-russian or any of this other nonsense that they're labeling us with that's that's what we're that's what's at stake like imagine if none of us could say anything counter to the narrative about how evil Russia is and how holy and pure Zelensky is like, that's fucking, that is dark, dude. That is how you get world war three and four and five, if we're lucky enough to survive three. Um, so yeah, with the, as far as I'm concerned, there is no bigger risk than ESG and, and, uh, and kind of the, the far reaching rollout of CBDCs.
0: Yeah. And it leads to our resegregation in society as well. Uh, you're seeing the initial implications of that right now, I think, especially in Canada. So say with the Freedom Convoy, where the government literally just took people's money, emergency powers, yes. we have access to That's- your bank accounts, we're going to discredit you, we're going to say it, tell everyone that you're white nationalists, that you're fascist, that you're Nazis, and you're literally taking a massive sect of the population and then saying, guess what, you guys don't feed the cri- uh, meet the criteria to fit into society anymore. So we're just going to cast you out. You know, we're not going to allow you to participate in the modern economy. And what that leads to is, I mean, it, it leads back to world war two. I mean, like the, who was it? Gina Carano when she initially put out that picture mm-hmm. of the Brown shirts or whatever, and just got absolutely roasted for that. You know, I think that that was a completely fair take. Like you're yep. seeing the, initial steps towards creating a society where you can start killing people or putting people in internment camps based on their political views or anything else that you deem that you don't like at the time. And that's fucking terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. What happened in Canada is crazy.
1: Yeah. Keith Olbermann just yesterday called for the imprisonment and trial of Tucker Carlson
0: (laughs) and Tulsa Gabbard. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And and anybody, anybody that was, you know arguing the the counter narrative on all of this shit so these people are complete totalitarians like and i'm not using that hyperbolically like that is what they are they want their narrative exclusively and they want everybody else crushed by the state that is totalitarian definitionally yep. so i don't i don't know how you exist with people like that because like I'm a peaceful person. I don't want to force my worldview on you, but I simply will not allow your worldview to be forced on me. So like we're at, we're at a we're at loggerheads, we're at an impasse where we have to decide how we resolve this. And I think that the way we resolve it peacefully is secession. I think that the only way when you have a country as divided as ours to peacefully resolve this is to separate and to allow those that still believe in human liberty at all to be together and those that believe in the omnipotence of the state to have their own fucking state and that's it that's all there is to it that's all we can do to coexist peacefully and you know maybe it it results in a conflict somewhere down the road but i think that in the interim that's the only option we have that's peaceful and it's funny because anytime you talk about secession people think that you're like some violent revolutionary or something i'm not i want it to happen peacefully i want us to be able to vote on it. I want us to have some sort of ballot initiative where the people of Florida can decide. Like it just, just let us go. You 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 hate us. We don't like you. Let us go. Um, let my people be free, or whatever the quote is. Uh, and and I really think that that's the only way that we avoid a truly horrific conflict. And I, I just man, it's it seems almost inevitable at this point. And I hate to even talk about it because it's so scary to me, but. I really think it's inevitable. Like, I think if we do not have a, a path towards peaceful secession, given, given how insane the federal government is and many state governors are, uh, I think it results in something that makes the Civil War look mild, you know? And that's scary because at the time, the Civil War in America was the bloodiest war in all of human history. Uh, p- many people don't know that, but it was like 600,000 people died. And that was a long time ago when there wasn't that many people on earth. So uh, that's a very, very bloody war. And many of them were brother on brother. I mean, there's nothing uglier than a civil war. And I feel like we are just on a fast track to it. And, and unless the people wake up and they demand that we peacefully leave each other alone, that's where we go.
0: I agree. I agree. I'm a huge proponent of secession. Uh, that's what I try to tell a lot of my friends who are like, say constitutional conservatives and stuff like that it's like okay well you can set up a system where everything is decentralized and you have the ability to live however you want to live at your local government whether that's AnCap, communism socialism whatever the case is it's like yeah that's beautiful i would love to live in a world like that but guess what our opposition are, like you were saying, straight up totalitarians. They don't want that. They don't care about that. They're not trying to achieve communism, socialism, anything like that at their local level. They're trying to grasp the highest levels of power so that they can enforce their ideals on you. So they're coming at it from a completely different psychological mindset. And you can't reason with them. Until they awaken themselves up to it, nothing you say is ever going to pop them out of that mindset you know, and I agree. I think that that will ultimately lead to violence. And I mean, you've already seen it with BLM and Antifa and stuff like that. I mean, that was straight up violence in right. in the city streets of America. Like that was huge, huge and had massive implications for our society. Regardless of whatever side you led on, it normalized the idea that you can conduct violence within the U.S. with very little repercussions for your actions, if not outright support where the Democratic Party was literally bailing these people out of jail, like I mean, that's state-sponsored violence, you know, through the use of citizens. So, yeah, it's really so it's insane. Kind of
1: state-sponsored terrorism.
0: Yeah, yeah, state-sponsored terror. yeah. And meanwhile, you know, you have January 6th, people who have been deemed insurrectionists and are being held in isolation for well over a year now. I mean, absolutely having their human rights just shit on. So yeah. it's serious.
1: And, and, and many of them were peaceful. I mean, that. Yep. So peaceful protesters can be held without trial and uh, and solitary confinement, which as far as I'm concerned is torture. And, torture. And, and then the other people that, you know, rioted violently and burnt down buildings and stuff will get bailed out by the other political party. I mean, this is, you can't, you cannot have that for long. Like the, you will, you will breed such resentment and distrust and hatred amongst the people. And I'm talking about the conservatives right now that eventually they rise up. And the conservatives are the ones that like, even though they've been very calm through all this, for the most part, like when the I think the reason that the right hasn't risen up is because when they rise up, it's going to be horrific. Like the left can rise up and it's like little skirmishes here and there. And it's kind of it's bad, but it's not, you know, catastrophic. If the right rises up, it is going to be catastrophic, like for sure, because these people are armed. Many of them are military vets. Like it gets real ugly, real, real fast. And yeah, I think that that's what we're looking at, which is why I'm desperately sounding the alarm that, hey, let us go. And, And your point about BLM and how we already saw riots two years ago, that was when the U.S. dollar was still able to purchase things. Imagine when it can't. Imagine when they can't just print money and put it in your bank account and have you still be able to go to Walmart or go to Costco and get your food. And you have food shortages and you have uh, the purchasing power of the dollar cut by 90% or something crazy like that. That's when you see just violence everywhere, man. Everywhere. So... I'm trying I'm trying to get myself to to greener pastures and some sort of enclave of safety and security before that happens but more than that I'm trying to talk to people now and say you don't want that no matter how revolutionary you are no matter how you know BLM and antifa you are no matter how anarchist you are like you don't want that you don't want to live like that I promise you you don't no. um, so, fucking stop it <laughs> You know, yeah. like be be the cooler head in the room and stop with your ideological shit and just be like hey none of us want this can we can we have a serious adult conversation about ending this peacefully now and i think that the only answer there is to sit down and say we can't coexist let's let each other be let's let each other divide and it seems it seems like such a rational argument but yet i can't have it with anybody like anybody i bring it up to except for libertarians they look at me like i have four eyes and i it's just, it's crazy.
0: Yeah. And even with secession too, I mean, that's a clean slate. There's so much new technology out there that could absolutely benefit society that's not being utilized, like power, for example. If we were using nuclear power, we would be so much better off because that's one of the biggest factors to growing an economy is cheap energy. So yep. if you create a nuclear power plant and you give people cheap energy, and then they can in turn divest that money back into the economy and it's reliable. Like what the fuck are we talking about, you know? <laughs> but the Overton window is so so shrunk down that people are arguing about fracking versus green energy. It's like, okay, both of these are not as efficient as what we could have, but the yep. oil and the energy companies aren't going to make the money that they're making right now if we go that route. So that's why it's not happening. That's why all these lobbyists are spending hundreds of millions of dollars on in DC to keep that from happening. And they're putting you in this little box where you're arguing about something that is not even in relation to the actual big picture of what we could be doing for humanity. And another thing with that too, going back into it is, so they just pushed to the Omnibus bill or whatever, they magically just appear $15 billion for Ukraine. It's like, cool, where are all these leftist people who care about homelessness, care about hunger and stuff like that you could cure homelessness in america for 20 billion or so the government just magically made that appear so it's like yeah. wh- why aren't you up oh. in arms right now to support a war that you shouldn't be for anyway you know
1: well i'll give, just, I'll give credit so to the ha- i'll give credit to the handful of decent leftists out there uh caitlin john caitlin johnston i think is her name and uh Abby Martin, there's a handful, uh, Jimmy Dore. I'm sure, I'm sure yeah, most Dore. of those people are are correctly in opposition to what they just saw happen. So um, I don't want to throw the entire left under the bus, but you're right. I mean, the vast, vast, vast majority of Democratic voters are fucking liars. They are. They, they, don't, they don't care about the poor. They only care about social acceptance and narrative alignment. That's that's their actual principle. Really, at the end of the day, that's their real principle. They don't want to be socially ostracized. They want to fit in. They want to be able to listen to CNN and be told that they're a good person because they agree with every single fucking stupid thing that they're hearing. And that's their real priority in life is just getting along at the cocktail party. And that's it. I mean, these people are fucking awful. (laughs) They're awful. And uh, I I hate to have such animus towards them because I, I do have some sympathy. Like I, I understand the social pressure that goes along with this, but at some point, like you have to drop the facade of being some sort of altruistic character that cares about the poor and the downtrodden. You can't talk to me about the fucking, the poor victims in Ukraine. Well, our government robs from us and sends them billions of dollars. Well, we have homeless veterans that are still still, raping and you know it just admit it like stop with the fucking moral grandstanding stop acting as if you have the moral high ground when it comes to the conversation with me that's what offends me more than anything is that these people talk as if they're so fucking holy it's like they're pathetic (laughs) so
0: yeah sorry for the rant i agree no (laughs) get after it i like it man (laughs) yeah and it applies to the right as well you know sure i see it i grew up in southeast texas and uh massive massive christian conservative population you know and that holier-than-thou routine that is constantly moving around but no one's actually living up to those ideals you know it's like you're gonna sit here and tell me you're a christian but at the same time like you're supporting us invading iraq and murdering hundreds thousands of people and stuff like that it's like if you really want to be a christian take those ideals and live up to them you know like your religion should not be correlated with the state and that should not make you a good person because you're saying, well, the government's telling me that we have to do this. So, you know, George Bush, yeah. let's fucking go. Like you, <laughs> need, you have to grow up, you know, it's, it's yeah, well, and, psychologically and, and, and... infantile to live in a world like that.
1: Oh, of course. And even at the cultural level, just the fact that some of the Christian conservatives are on their third or fourth wife and they haven't, they haven't looked after yeah. their own kids and their kids are yeah. poppers and they're all fucked up too. And it's like, well, yep. you failed in your own fucking house so why are you talking yeah. about how we should control the entire globe i mean that yep. like you we have to lock down the family unit and I, and it's funny because like i used to laugh at the conservatives and the, fa- the family first narrative and all this stuff because i was like well i came from a broken home like yeah, i didn't i didn't turn out super fucked up and it's like well yeah but culture like the entire society civilization itself does depend on the next generation coming up with uh, the value of looking after your offspring and, and raising them in a way that's moral and hardworking. And like all of the kind of Christian conservative ethics that I, I thought that you could get without the family unit. And I think that on an individual basis, it is possible, but on a collective basis, if you have a, an entire civilization where the father is not there for his kids and he's not raising them to, to understand the world and how to be um, productive in it, well then, yeah, you're doomed. I mean, your civilization will collapse. It's it's just kind of an inevitable process, and and I think that's where we're at. I think that you know the especially the the conservatives like the Republicans on Fox News that talk about the degradation of the black family and the black father being absent. Look at your own fucking race, man! Like there are tons of white dads that are deadbeats that haven't looked after their kids. That do we have anything to say about that? They don't ever talk about that. Yeah. They just talk about Chicago and the violence in Chicago. Well, what about Appalachia? What about the fucking drug-addled white people that are all over this country that are dying in droves that we have this. Yep. And no, no, no. That's China's fault because of uh, whatever that drug is. It's like, no, that's our personal yeah, responsibility. They are still choosing to put that in their body. And if they're having fentanyl overdoses because they're addicted to Oxycontin and it's cut with that, well, they were addicted to Oxycontin already because you weren't there for your child. And I mean, yes, it all boils down to the war on drugs and it and it boils down to government interference in the and the breakdown of the the family unit because you had to have two two uh you know parents working in dual income households because the dollar kept going down in value and globalism and all this like there's plenty of blame to go around but at the end of the day look at yourself there's only one thing you can really change and that's you and how you raise your family and you create your own little neighborhood and and they're not doing a good job of it so i have i have um i have anger for everybody i guess
0: i should say <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i agree i think individualism is definitely the way to go if you're not taking individual responsibility for yourself and for your actions then we're absolutely fucked you know you have to oh, yeah. cultivate that within yourself you need to have a moral compass which however you get there is what it is you know like yeah i'm it's, not telling it's anyone it be goal, religion whatever yeah you know whatever the case is or any sort of political ideology that gives you a moral compass you know Like I picked up Murray Rothbard and that completely changed my life, you know? And I mean, he's an absolute atheist, you know, maybe not later on in his life, but it's like, you can, you can achieve these moral values without having to have a religious background for it. And you sure as shit shouldn't be getting it from the state because the state's not going to give you anything of benefit because all they want to do is make you a cog in the machine. So whatever they're giving you is going to be counterintuitive to you being an intelligent individual who can actually make rational decisions and look at the world around you and go, okay, what's actually going on right now? This is fucked up. That's cool. We need to make moves towards this. Um, Mm -hmm. And I see just a a lack of that, especially in my generation. Uh, Like I'm 25. So like people, my age, you know, 20, 20 to 28 or so when I interact with with them, them, just the apolitical nature of their actions and then the lack of willingness to take responsibility is really, really frightening when I think about what that's going to look like in the next 10 to 15 years when we start coming into positions of power. And you're seeing it with wokeness and like corporations and stuff like that, like the low-level, entry-level people who are getting into these institutions and stuff and really fucking them up even more. Um, But just as a culture, once, once we start losing the generations ahead of us that at least had some personal responsibility, it's fucking terrifying.
1: Yep. Well, that, that's the end game. I mean, that's, that's where the game ends, I should say, not the end game, because that in, in, uh, insinuates some sort of planning. I think that basically, once those young people that have been totally unrooted from any sort of libertarian ideology, and uh, you know, I, obviously they weren't taught libertarian I- ideology, but the conservative kids that were taught about their founding fathers and things like that, once that is gone, once it's totally expunged from their way of living and they are now in the work world. And yeah, you're right. Like once, I mean, we're there, we're already kind of there. Yeah. It's just like, it's going to get progressively worse because the kids that were raised over the past 20 years are even worse than the fucking your generation. You know, like it's, it's just getting worse and worse and worse. And, and those people in positions of power are not going to demand freedom. They're going to demand slavery. They're going to demand safety yeah. and security and financial, uh, you know, freebies and it's like well that's that's what you're seeing this is why we are breaking down this is why lockdowns even were allowed to happen i'm telling you 20 years ago i don't think that this country accepts lockdowns i don't think they would have i think they would have said fuck you like no way we are not doing that but 20 years goes by and you kind of you have decent financial times and you have comfort and you have all this and and uh yeah they they basically they timed it well, and they, they allowed us to get comfortable to the point and, and, and stupid enough to the point that they were willing to accept it. And now now, imagine what they can get away with. Now that they've gotten away with that, You know, the most egregious infringement on my rights that I could have ever imagined, uh, anything's possible. like Literally anything is possible. And this is why I think the CBDC and the digital gulag is really where we're headed, where they don't have to violently... Put you in prison they don't even have the manpower Necessarily to do that but they Absolutely have the power to just Click a button and say hey Clint You can't buy anything <laughs> you know Like that's a real easy way to to Suppress dissidents and And the amount of fear that will be involved With that until they get to a breaking point Where like half of the people have been unbanked And they're all starving and crazy um, Then you might have a chance for an Uprising but until that I think The vast majority of people will just shut the fuck up and they'll Do as they're told and And you'll have, you know, 20, 30 years of like North Korea type rule for these people. And I refuse that. I refuse that to be my future. And that's why I speak out so passionately is like this. We have to stop that from coming to pass. Like, because once you get there, you're just looking at decades of misery.
0: Yep. Yeah. And I mean, I have on some level a respect for the just deviousness of these people. Um, right. Like, I mean, the moves that they've made are brilliant. When I saw that they, the state had sent out a list um, of talking points to some of the biggest TikTok stars, yep. I was like, oh, oh, this is, this is a prime example of how they do it right here. And they're just breeding the next generation to fall straight in line because they're taking all these influencers with millions and millions of followers and just having them pair it state talking points, state talking points, just literal propaganda. And, you know, as an adult, you might be able to look at that and say, "Yeah, I'm not really feeling this. This might be a little funky, something something a little weird here, but for kids, they have no idea what that is. You know, they don't have the cognitive capability to look at something and rationally go, oh, this is propaganda. But, you know, meanwhile, your kids sitting there looking at that, you know, and it's, it's literally just breeding them into a mindset that's going to make them malleable for the state in 10, 15 years, years, you know, and they're not going to fight back. They're not, I don't think so. You know, like we're seeing, we're seeing dissidents still right now, but in 15, 20 years, if we don't overcome this soon, I mean, I don't think that there's going to be anywhere to speak out or anyone to speak out you know hopefully secession is successful exactly, exactly by that right. point and we have our own little just commune of people hanging out you know um that are yeah. actually rational individual people but the state of america is not looking too bright right now as far as that goes
1: well let, let me let me black you further the this, the tiktok influencers that were paid the same shit happened in summer of 2020. If you remember the whole just stay home mantra yeah. where all of the Instagram people and stuff like that, well, it was uncovered that those people were being paid by the government yep. to say that. So yeah. this this is a tried and true practice. This isn't even new. I mean, this is just what yep. they do now. And and until it's criminalized, which it ought to be, I, like there used to be laws that said that you couldn't run psyops against the American people. You couldn't intentionally propagandize the American people. Well. That shit's done with. Like they are absolutely oh, yeah. propagandizing us in mass, and there, yeah, yeah. And there, there was a reason that that was criminalized, is because it was fucking dangerous. Um, yep. And that's that's where we're at. So we we have to either have such uh, an a, an immensely red pilled conservative that gets in there that's like just ready to tear all this shit down to criminalize everything that has put us in this position when it comes to like uh, you know propagandizing the American people and running psyops on us and all that. Uh, or you have to have peaceful secession or you will have a violent revolution. Like Those are the three options. And I just, I don't know which it's going to be at this point. I'm kind of like, I'm leaning towards it, probably ending up being a violent revolution at some point. Um, And that's the last thing I want. So, well, it's not the last thing. The last thing I want is to just allow this to continue into oblivion and to have everyone, you know, have all of human liberty Uh, basically extinguished in my lifetime. That's, that's the last thing I want. But the second to last thing I want is a violent revolution. So um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how it plays out. I just know that like, if you, if you have listened to this and you feel us on any level, it's incumbent upon you to start to speak out. Like we need everyone that sees the world the way we do, or at least to some extent sees the risks that we're in to start to talk about it more openly and more honestly, and stop being afraid of being canceled or being looked at like a lunatic or whatever. Like you have, to, we have to get this narrative out there that like the trajectory we we're on is not sustainable and it's not how we want to live as people. Like we, we just can't, we can't allow it. And if, if that's not enough, you know, if we can't uh, wake up people, then it's gonna, it's going to result in misery. So just like you can decide, you could be scared now or you could be horrified later. Like I would go with scared now.
0: Yeah. Even if you don't wake up everyone, you know, my goal and hope is that if i reach 10 people i just hope that they're lions if you awake a sleeping lion they can take their pride to greener pastures you don't have to wake up the sheep you just need to wake up the leaders and i think that that is perfect for what the mises caucus is doing like when you were talking about libertarianship earlier uh like i always was libertarian leaning but i always looked at libertarianism as a social club and you you know how you were saying there's people calling for the sanctions like advocating for all the stuff they shouldn't be advocating for and stuff like that's how i always saw it and then when i started seeing the mises caucus come into play i was like okay cool these people are actually like really trying to talk to the right people and make the right moves um and i think that that's that's crucial and just to keep yourself white people man it's like you don't need to wake up everybody you just have to wake up the right people and then they will bring their people along with them
1: Exactly. I mean, I've, I've gotten hundreds and hundreds of DMs from people over the past two years since I started my show, you know, thanking me and um, basically just saying that I, I reinstilled their hope, you know, and it's weird because what I talk about is so dark, you know, it, like the topics I'm dealing with on a daily basis are so, so dark and grim. You know, the outlook is very grim, but the fact that there are other people out there that were seeing it and feeling alone in that. It actually inspires them. So, like, even though I'm talking about dark things, if they just feel as if they're not alone, if they feel as if they're not crazy, well, then it empowers them to start to, you know, talk to their church members, talk to their kids, talk to their significant others, their family, their friends, their anybody in their life that they feel like might be open to this message. And the butterfly effect of it's immense. I mean, I've had multiple episodes that do you know ten to twenty thousand uh, dollar twenty thousand listens, and it's like. I'm reaching a lot of people now, you know, and it's yeah. been two years like that. That's incredible. So, um, and the butterfly effect from there, how many people have started podcasts because of, of my show and I started my show because of Dave's show and all these, all these other people that are out there that are making a difference, uh, you know, knock on effect, like don't underestimate the power of what you can accomplish. Like, yes, it seems Far-fetched for me to be like, oh, I can change the course of human history. Like, <laughs> it seems it seems completely insane, actually. But um, when you have the power of the internet and the power of compounding, you know, exponential growth and exponential reach and things like that, anything's possible, man. Like, do not give up. It, the, the 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 stakes are too high. Like, why why would you give up? Like, fuck that, fuck giving up, fuck caving, fuck allowing these people to control you for the rest of your life. Speak out no matter how horrifying it is and how scary it is on a day to day basis. And no matter what I'm risking by doing this, I don't give a fuck. Like, what I am trying to prevent is so much more horrifying than what I have to face. Like, I used to be afraid of speaking publicly. Now, when I get on stage, I'm like, I am thrilled to do this because any sort of personal sensation I have of stage fright or, or like getting on the microphone and being like, what am I going to say? Like, it doesn't matter. Like, I am, I am, I am no longer. Operating for myself, like there, this there is a real selfless nature in what I'm doing. Like I am, I am serving something bigger than myself, and that is human liberty. Like, is there anything bigger than that? And I know it sounds like I'm getting a little religious on you. Fuck it. If I am, I am. Like, if 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 liberty is my religion, if Ron Paul is my god, I don't give a fuck. Like, whatever you <laughs> have to, whatever you have to describe it as, I really don't care. I feel as if I have found my calling. I have found what I'm supposed to be doing with my life. And it compels people. It it wakes people up. It allows them to pursue it with the same way, the same passion I do. And I think that that's beautiful. And like, whatever, if you think that I'm a fucking asshole, or if you think that I'm delusional, if you think that I'm, uh, I'm overly optimistic or overly pessimistic, I don't care. I don't care about anybody's opinion of me. I am following the path that I feel is right. And I just wish more people would. I wish people could wake up and feel how I do every day. It's fucking beautiful. So Uh, Good for you for doing your own, man. I I think it's great.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, People are afraid of greatness and excellence and we've created that as a culture. And I think that if you feel yourself being drawn towards a calling, not to be afraid of that, go with it, see where it goes. It might not be successful. It might be incredibly successful, but you should never be afraid to pursue excellence or pursue a calling that you feel is great. Um, yeah, I think that's I exactly think that's right. Man. It,
1: it, it's like, I, I mean, I've done that throughout my entire life. It's always, I've always tried to pursue something I was passionate about because simply I'm lazy. If I don't enjoy what I'm doing, I get very, very lazy. But if I am, uh, if I'm passionate about what I'm doing, I am tireless. Like I can just, I can just work forever. It, it's amazing. Like I, I never get tired of this. So like, if you're not, if you don't feel that with what you're doing in your day-to-day life, like find it you know, drive towards it, like stop doing the shit that's making you miserable and start doing the stuff that makes you happy. And I, it seems simple. You know, that, that advice seems like extreme, extremely simple. Um, but it's powerful as hell, man. Like if you start to do things that make you feel good, it it increases your productivity. It can increase your financial uh, success. it, It increases your, your quality of life, potentially your, your safety, your security in life. Um, it can, it can even improve your, your personal relationships too. Like there's, there's just something about living honest, honestly, truthfully, and in line with your passions that, that brings other people up around you as opposed to bringing people down. And, uh, I think that the world would be a lot better place if more people were doing that. And I, I think that that's, that's part of my message that has kind of evolved over time. Like I never, I never really talked about that because it does feel kind of narcissistic to be like, Oh, look how good I'm doing. And I, I don't, I don't feel like that's what I'm trying to say here. So I hope people don't take it that way. I'm just saying like, my life has improved dramatically because I'm doing this and I want people to feel that too. That's the point. That's what I'm trying to, to get at. So I hope people can,
0: you know, feel the spirit with which I'm sounding like I'm bragging. (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. And it sounds simple. Um, But it's incredibly difficult. So to cultivate that inner divinity inside of yourself. Hold on one sec. I'm sorry. It's okay. I had a video, start playing in the background. Um, No, I think that's great. If you cultivate that inner divinity inside of yourself and you start to embrace it, and what I like to equate it to is following the divine flow of energy throughout the cosmos. So there's a positive energy that flows throughout the con- uh, throughout the cosmos. And if you align yourself with that, you're gonna see positive benefits in your life without a doubt. And aside from the podcast, like whenever I started doing that, I saw such tremendous growth and peace come into my life that was just utterly beautiful. And it was difficult, like breaking yourself out of those, preconceived notions and the psychological, um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of the word I was trying to use there. The psychological prison that you've been placed in throughout culture and the way that you were raised, You know, there's so much beauty out there in life. And if you just take the time to actually sit with that and to sit with yourself, you're going to be a lot better off. And if that makes you narcissistic or people think that you have grandiose delusions, you know, whatever, those people are haters. And are they the people (laughs) that you want to actually sit with and enjoy time with? Probably not. You know, most of the people that dislike me, I dislike them. You know, it's like, (laughs) I wonder how that I wonder how that works out, you know? And it's not that I hate them or that I wish ill on them, but it's like, I don't want to spend my time with you. And if you don't right. want to spend your time with me, there's probably a reason for that. We're probably not operating on the same energy frequency, you know? Exactly. And yeah. this is also what keeps me white-pilled and going back to secession is that there's a lot of people out there that think like we do. And if the secession movement happens, those people in all likelihood are going to move to that place. So it's not just going to be the original population that's there it's going to be a just massive flood of people of the same ideology and it's going to create a beautiful environment in my opinion um, and a flourishing economy too yeah I and mean, a flourishing you, economy
1: yeah because you have all these industrious liberty-minded entrepreneurial type spirited folks that all all coalesce in this one tiny territory and they're all armed to the teeth and they're all you know super nice and you know they, yeah they're, it's going to be fucking amazing so i think that you know there's There's lots of reasons to be pessimistic about the near term, but I remain optimistic about a really beautiful future with my people, you know, the people that see the world the way I do. And, you know, to your point about the haters, like the thing about haters is that the people that are doing shit don't think about them very much. Like I I really don't think about the people that try and drag me down, like hardly ever. Um, The only reason I bring up the, the narrative about you know, me sounding grandiose or whatever is because it does sound grandiose. Like, I think that's the one critique of me that is justifiable. But at the same time, I don't care. I don't care that it sounds grandiose. Like I am trying to achieve something enormous. Like I am trying to rid myself of the, the most powerful state in human history and and have kind of a libertarian, peaceful revolution in my lifetime. Fuck yeah, that's grandiose. <laughs> yeah, it is, man. So, uh, but I'm not afraid to say it. I'm not afraid to talk about it. If we're not going to talk about it, how the fuck is it ever going to happen? Like, it's certainly not going to happen if we don't have the, the courage to speak about it or the confidence yep. to speak about it. So, I'm going to keep doing it. And, and if it happens, great. And if it doesn't, hey, I tried, man. I did everything I could. And, and I still believe that, like, even if I don't get to the, the highest level of, of what I'm trying to accomplish, my life will still be way more fulfilling and I'll probably end up in a, a position that's far better than had I not tried at all. Um, and not, not even probably, it'll definitely end up in a better position than had I not tried at all. So that's, that's my, my outlook. And i I just continue to implore your audience, you, everybody that's listening, like do the same. Like, even if you don't, if you don't see the world the way I do, that's fine. You don't have to go and do exactly what I'm doing, but just pursue your passion and you, you will have a better life because of it. And I hope that more people do it because it'll create a much happier, healthier, less SSRI dependent society, which is what we really need.
0: Yeah. Yeah, man. The pharmaceutical dependency is really, really baffling. When I grew up and I really realized how many people around me were on SSRIs and antidepressants and benzos. That was so eye-opening to why they interact with people the way that they do. I mean, they're literally being zombified and the doctors are just prescribing it to them. Big pharma is pushing it. And I mean, we talk about being a cog in a machine. I mean, at that point, once you start getting hooked on those, you're not even a cog, you're just a walking meat sack. Like, I mean, it's, it's really, really sad. Um, and I know that that got pessimistic again. We were on such an optimistic note. I promise to the people out there, I am definitely optimistic about the future. Hey, this is, it, this it, is what we—the we world use. is beautiful.
1: Yeah, no, it is. I mean, and and just because you're you're cognizant of the darkness that exists doesn't mean that that you ignore the light. You know, like there there's yep. always both. And and even though I talk about the darkness a lot, I do it because I want the light that bad. You know, I want I want the goodness in the world to flourish and. And I see the state and its omnipotence as the darkness, and I just I think that it's very, it's kind of a binary worldview to some extent, but it's it's pretty damn true empirically. Like it's just what it is. Like you have states that create death and misery and destruction and financial uh, implosions, and then you have free market capitalism and individualism that creates amazing innovation and uh and financial safety and all all the all the things that we actually like about the world so yeah i can see both like i can see both at the same time there's nothing wrong with that i i don't think that it has to be you know we we ignore the bad just to just to bring about the good like no some of this bad has to be defeated like it's it's not gonna just go away on its own Uh, i wish it would but it won't
0: yeah, absolutely. The interpretation of uh, the meek shall inherit the earth um, can also be interpreted as the man who carries a sword, but keeps its sheath shall inherit the earth. Uh, mm. It's also very powerful. You know, I think that that's one of the things that drew me towards uh, libertarianism as well Is it's not pacifism. It's strength without aggression. Um, right. The ability to protect yourself and protect the ones you love and protect your land because there are monsters out there but the ability to not use that power to exert aggression onto the others around you. I think that that that's a beautiful life philosophy uh, and also a beautiful individual pursuit, um, the path of the warrior monk. So cultivate yourself, cultivate your strength, um, but just knowing the right times and places to actually use it. Exactly.
1: And that's why I'm such a huge Jordan Peterson fan. And I'm so glad to see him kind of, Coming out from his drug induced state Is that what he Was doing for young men That had been abandoned from These type of lessons uh, So powerful I mean so so powerful when he he Talks about like no you don't want to Be weak you want to be a monster And then you want to control it you know like That's that's what you want to be because No one respects someone who's not Capable of defending themselves And and I think that That's important, you know, and especially in a time like this, where you have increasing uh, rule by force, which is what we're actually witnessing, or at least coercion, tremendous coercion. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's important that we be capable of tremendous violence. Like, again, I'm peaceful. I don't want war, but I want to be capable of it. You know, like that's that's the whole thing and, and yep. it's funny because uh, the conservatives and the even the neoliberals are always talking about peace through strength you know it's like well yeah we're gonna have that against you how about that
0: <laughs> so. yeah yeah absolutely yeah that was something i experienced heavily as a young man was like a super um over exuberant uh warrior archetype that led me to join the military um and that was something that really, really woke me up. Uh, was listening to Jordan Peterson and then diving into Carl Young. Um, nice. Just the the shadow aspects of the warrior that we are seeing in our culture right now is is really baffling, um, especially in the military and stuff like that. It's like you can still be a warrior and you can still be a man, but that doesn't mean that you have to go and aggress against others or commit acts of atrocity to hold that title or to achieve that level of manhood that, you know, you right. think you need, um, all well, that th- shit think is about, within you. Think about how beautiful
1: the world would be if, if all the young men like yourself that got essentially tricked into going out and aggressing on others, just fostered that, that beautiful emotion of wanting to be a warrior, but a peaceful one, you know, one that, that is there to keep the peace. Like if all those young men, those millions of young men that, that go down that path were to just stay home and to focus on securing their own future, you know, securing their own freedom and their own Liberty. Like, wow, that's, that's a world I want to live in because I don't have any animus towards people that enlist in the military. I think it's a beautiful um instinct to want to go and help and you know some of them also want to go out and just kill people and there's there's aspects of that too so i'm not you know painting with too broad of a brush here but largely it is a beautiful instinct it's like i want to be a protector it's the same thing with the police like many police don't want to go out and abuse people many of them want to go out and try and help and and that's why i try to to not do the libertarian thing of like fuck the cops fuck the military like i um I understand why they feel that way. Like it's there's plenty of justification for it, especially for the the bad cops and military that are out there. Um, but I don't think it's helpful. I, I think that like you need some of those strong young men that have been used for evil to see the light, and they're not going to see the light if you're just saying, "Oh, you're fucking evil." <laughs> you know, like yeah. So I, I think it's it's just going to
0: turn them more into the hands of the state or whatever institution right. they're a part of. You know, if I walk up to a cop. And like, yeah, like you're saying, I fucking despise the institution of policing in its form that it is right now. I think right. that especially take, take a speeding ticket, for example, that you're going five, 10 over and then all of a sudden they're taxing you two hundred dollars. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's not them keeping the peace. That's them using their authority to extract more money out of you for the state. Right. But that's the institutional policing. But on an individual level, yeah, I think that these people have good intentions for the most part, you know, um. And if you go at them with the same aggression and the same outlook that you would as the institutional policing, you're never going to get a foothold to change those people's mind. They're going to go, oh, these people fucking hate us. Well, I'm going to stay within my fraternity and I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing and keep getting praise from the state. And they're never going to be woken up. You know, they're never going to be woken up.
1: And that just fosters tribalism and and division. And it's like, ultimately, some of them are going to go that way no matter what but there are many 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 that would like to turn turn around and defend the people like especially during lockdowns especially like in Ottawa i know a lot of those cops there had no interest in in mm-hmm. cracking down on those protesters like they they absolutely didn't want to do it if we had an environment where there was actual like some sort of coalescing of the people and the enforcement arm of the state where they could actually work together and realize hey we're, we're not each other's enemy. The people giving you this order are the enemy. So let's stand together. I mean, obviously, it's pretty uh, unlikely <laughs> to put it mildly. Um, yeah. But I think on an, on an individual basis, you could get a lot of people. I mean, we already know there was mass res- resignations from the police force over the past two years because they hated what they had to do. And those are great people. Like if you were in that position and you decided, Hey, I'm not going to do this anymore. Same with same with military vets that get out and they spend the rest of their life advocating against war. Like, are you really going to hate on that guy? Like that guy's a fucking hero. Like he, he saw it firsthand. He came back and he dedicated himself to trying to prevent future atrocities that he unfortunately committed. Like that's, that's an amazing, beautiful story arc. That's a heroic story arc. And I'm not going to shit on those people. I think it's very, yep. very fucking stupid to shit on those people. So um, I, I think that that's, that's one critique I have for libertarians. It's like, yeah, try, try and keep an individualist perspective when you're evaluating these people.
0: Yeah, and I think it came, comes from the same uh, sort of moral righteousness that you see from the people that we dislike. It's like leftists. Yeah. You know, Christian conservatives or whatever, that's the same sort of of moral virtue that you're touting over people. Um yep. look, man, peace and it's, love. It's, that's it's how collectivism,
1: gotta... it's virtue signaling. Yep. I mean, it's it's yeah. all the it's all that's the exactly things things
0: what it love. is. That's exactly what it is. So yeah, man, even if you dislike people, always be nice to them, you know, as long as the situation allows. Because I yeah. think that peace and at love, least, at that's least how we try we're and get understand through this. Yeah, yeah, at least you're... try to understand them.
1: Yeah, before before you decide that they're completely irredeemable, and I'm there's plenty of people that are irredeemable for sure. Yeah, like I'm, you're not going to convert McCain into some liberty (laughs) (laughs) dude. He's (laughs) dead now, but you know what I'm saying. So, um, yeah, I mean, but I think the vast majority of people are reachable, and if you talk to people openly and honestly and with love, with with how you're delivering it and passion, um, you can reach a lot more people than you'd you'd imagine. So. Don't, don't write agree. everybody
0: off just because of their job title. I think that's stupid. I agree. And you've had uh, way more experience with political parties than I have with your involvement with the Mises Caucus. Um, what do you think when you guys interact with, say, like left libertarians um, on an individual level, how are your interactions with them? I mean, obviously the, the big picture is like, well, we hate you guys, whatever, like y'all aren't actually libertarians and stuff like that um, coming from their side. You know, um, yeah. on an individual level, I'm curious what your interactions with people like that have been like.
1: Yeah, it, it's been entirely positive. Uh, every, every single person I've met in person is very respectful and kind. And there's, I mean, I'm sure there's some people that hate me that avoid me when I'm at conventions and things like that. Uh, but in terms of like actual open conflict or, or airing of grievances, like I've had one guy ever who came up to me and said, why'd you block me? <laughs> you know, that's, <laughs> that's it. So uh, I think for the, for the most part, these are, uh, this is going to sound like I'm trying to be insulting, but I'm actually not. I think for the most part, the Mises Caucus represents kind of an alpha energy. Like it, it represents men re-entering the party. And, and even though there were men that were in the party that I'm sure would hate this description, I'm not applying it universally. This is a broad uh, discussion. I think that many of them that hate the alpha energy that's coming back into the party, um, they're going to have to get used to it because ultimately alphas don't really listen to people that aren't alphas. Like we're going, we're going to see what we want to see happen. Like that's what's going to happen because where our will is greater than yours. And that's just the nature of life. That's power dynamics. 101. Like, one like our will is going to outlast yours and, and your, your drinking club is going away and sure we can still have drinks together. And it's still probably going to be a little bit of a drinking club, but like ultimately our goals are bigger than just fitting in and being accepted. Like this is about something above us. And, and I think that many of the people that were involved in libertarian party over the past decade Lost sight of that you know they were interested In it for their own power and their own Status and and whatever Sorry that's not going to cut it I'm not accepting that anymore and Everybody in the Mises caucus isn't accepting Of that anymore that's not what we're here for We are here to be left alone (laughs) And that is a very powerful Human instinct especially for libertarians It's like leave me the fuck alone And I wanted to be left alone y'all Forced me to get involved it's your own fucking fault Had you done a good job with the libertarian party I would have never been involved i would have just allowed you to continue to do what you were doing but you failed me you failed me and now i'm here to replace you deal with it that's that's my statement to them
0: yeah i agree and i agree with that with the interactions i've had with most people regardless of whatever their political affiliations are or ideologies if they're strong individuals then they're always going to be willing to sit down and have an open dialogue with you and at least discuss okay. ideas without animosity. But it's when you interact with people who have infantile psychology that it's just, your, like, you were saying your alpha tendencies, their own insecurities just completely block them from even being able to have any sort of dialogue with you because it's a direct attack on their, personification of themselves it directly right. attacks their entire ego and that's why you see them shutting down and what's scary about that is that's what you see with the majority of all of our political figures and leaders yep. is just the absolute inability to interact with anyone that doesn't prop up their own personification of themselves
1: yeah i think i think that's a very good description of it and and uh you know even though you know my name has risen in prominence in this movement i'm i'm genuinely not interested in doing this for myself like i very yeah. very much believe in the cause i want to see liberty in my lifetime that's why i'm here that's why i speak out that's why i'm doing what i'm doing and anything that comes from it in terms of uh you know name recognition and all that is totally secondary to me so i think that that's that's what you want in po- political figures you know you want people that are They're doing it for a higher calling. And I think that we probably wouldn't be in this position had we had political figures that had been doing that for the past hundred years. Like it's
0: real leaders. and
1: and, and Yeah, we need leaders. We need people that are actually selfless to some extent. I mean, I'm not totally selfless, but like Dave is certainly um, risking a lot with his lifestyle that he doesn't have to, to try and pursue this stuff. Dave Smith, for your audience that doesn't know. um, I think that that's the most consistent motherfucker. Yeah, exactly. We need we need people that are are, you know, they are they are working for something bigger than themselves. Like that's what we have to have right now, because what we're striving towards is something bigger than any of us. And I think that the people that were involved in the Libertarian Party over the past 10, 15 years, whatever, uh, they weren't. And, you know, not all of them, but a lot of them. (laughs) And and so, yeah, like if they if they want to kind of refocus, if the lockdowns Radicalize them the way it radicalized me And so many millions of others of uh, That they want to get Serious about this shit and stop playing games You know labeling people and canceling people And doing all this nonsense and start to work on the bigger Picture of like human liberty on earth Well then hey you're You're my ally you know I'm not I'm not gonna Again like I just said about the cops And the military like I'm not gonna just look at anybody that's Been involved with the libertarian party on the Progressive caucus or anything any of the other people That aren't Mises caucus and say oh well you're irredeemable like i think you're probably a really good person too so um i'm happy to work with you but just just realize like i'm not playing around like this isn't a fucking game to me like i am serious about what i talk about and i want to see us win like i want to see us stop being treated like the property of the state because it's not it's not how i expect to live and i will not live like that and i hope you feel the same like that's that's my message to them
0: that's it We need everyone who's willing to fight for a decentralized future to come together. doesn't matter how you see that. If you're a communist, socialist, whatever, if you want that on a local scale and a uh, decentralized government over us, then what are we doing? Stop fighting with each other. We have to work together or we're never going to succeed. We got, we got so
1: much bigger of a problem right now than, than our differences so like hey let's set those aside and let's focus on the big problem in front of us and and it takes a level of um triage you know you have to recognize what what problems are biggest and what you know what need to be addressed immediately to survive and like that's where we're at like this is fatal if we don't if we don't win in this fight all of our differences don't matter none of them matter because we all die so That's why I'm, you know, I'm now speaking out so aggressively about U.S. intervention in in Ukraine. It's like that is existential. That's that's the same way I feel about the Federal Reserve and, you know, the collapsing of the U.S. dollar. Like these are existential risks to this country, because when you have a financial collapse, you oftentimes end up in big, big wars. And ultimately, those are the things that I care most about. Like, even though I focus on economics a lot, people think, oh, he must just be interested in financial well-being. Well, yeah, I am. But no, more than that, I'm interested in not having civilization collapse. Like that is horrifying to me. Um, so, you know, prioritize that, focus on that, focus on the fact that like our minor differences about our opinions on, you know, some sort of social disagreements is like, that's so irrelevant to me. I really, I really don't want to argue with it, with you about it. Like, even though I am more pro-life, I don't talk about it at all because I, I don't I don't think that, like, even if it's important, even if it's a moral question, even if it's all this stuff, like, it's a big deal, but it ain't the biggest. It The biggest is the state and the warfare state. And, like, that's what we gotta, we have to win that battle if anything else is gonna matter.
0: I think that's a beautiful place to end. Perfect, man.
1: Thank you for having me. Where can me. people find you at, Clint? At Liberty Lockpot on Twitter, Liberty Lockdown on Spotify, iTunes, or Apple Podcasts, uh, YouTube. Pretty much anywhere you want to find me, just search for Liberty Lockdown. And if you'd like to support my work, you can go to libertylockdown.locals.com and become a supporting member. If you want to get some sick shirts, you can go to toplobsta.com. That's L-O-B-S-T-A. Thanks, man.
0: Hell yeah. Thank you so much. Clint Russell, ladies and gentlemen.
1: Boom.